Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. We'll continue to share in the reading of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24. Again, I invite you to hear these words. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures and let us say together, Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Yes, God, it is with gratitude in our hearts that we give attention to these Scriptures today. As we read and as we hear again these ancient words, we are reminded of the communities that have cared for these Scriptures across generations. We are reminded of the joy and gift it is to gather around these holy and ancient words. God, as we prepare for Christmas, as we begin this season of Advent, we pray that these scriptures would guide us, that they would help our hearts to know your truth, they would help to align our wills and our passions with your love and grace. That is our hope as we worship today. These things in Christ's name we pray, amen. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. It feels like a little bit of a homecoming. It's Thanksgiving week. It's so good to see all of you and to have you here worshiping together in this holy season. Of course, in the season of Advent, we give a little bit more attention to our spiritual lives as we prepare to celebrate Christmas together here in a few weeks. And so it's exciting to begin that journey together today. You may have noticed in your own life that there are a lot of things that are under our control like never before. We have so much power these days. Power over things like getting groceries. Amen? Yes. I love the grocery ordering. We can schedule a time to pick it up. We can even have it delivered to our house. Man, that feels good. Are you with me? Yeah? We have power over other things too. We can, we can look at maps for long trips and we can see where there may be traffic problems or where they're working on the road and we can avoid those, those untimely interruptions. There are a lot of things in our lives that we have a lot of control over, and I really like that, right? I want as much control over as many things as possible. And yet there are other things, like the school pickup line, yeah? Have you been there? No control, right? You're totally at the will of the pickup line. You come early, you're in the front, but you still have to wait until it's time. You come late, you're in the back, you have to wait until all the other cars go. Not to say that it's not being done well or efficiently. I mean, there's only so much time it takes to safely get kids in the right car. But man, the school pickup line stresses me out. Uh, Jill does it more than I do most days. In fact, the days that I do it, I spend most of the day getting mentally prepared. You know, it's like, all right, I'm going to be in line. I got to be patient. Got to learn to pay attention. 
There are other things too. Jill and I, we don't travel a whole lot, but we've both been on airplane trips this uh, last year that have been interrupted and disrupted. Uh, you get there and you find out your flight's delayed. I had one that was canceled and delayed for a few hours. Jill had one that was canceled and delayed and rescheduled for 24 hours, and so she had to wait 24 hours there in the airport before she could get on the next flight. When you compare those moments where we have a lot of control to those moments where we don't have as much control, where we have to wait, where we have to wait on an airplane crew, when we have to wait on someone else's guidance and leadership, I don't know about you, but that causes great anxiety for me. It's not easy to wait on someone else to, to fix my problem. In fact, there is a, a, there's a, a world of, of study and businesses. They know that waiting is such a significant challenge for people that there's a whole world of study within businesses where they, where they study what's the best way to help people wait. And so there's a few principles that they've come up with that in businesses, they know that when a consumer experiences an uncertain wait, that that's more concerning for them than a known wait, right? So if you're told it's going to be 10 minutes, you're okay with that. But if you're not told it's going to be 10 minutes and you just have to wait wondering, that causes you great stress. Or in the same way that consumers are better when they have an explanation, right? When you go to the airport and things are delayed, but they can tell you why. Well, this crew's coming from Chicago, and they're going to transfer here, and then they'll be here, and then you'll get on your plane. That's okay, right? You can deal with that. Worse is when you just don't have any explanation at all, right? And you just have to wait until the solution comes uh, whenever it may be the case. Disney World may be the capital of waiting, right? Some of you have been to Disney World in the last few years. Disney World is an entire economy based on waiting, right? They are making so much money on people standing in lines, right? And in fact, they know this, so they've invented this thing called the Fast Pass. Now, I want you to track with me on this, right? They know people will pay more to not have to wait, right? And so you get a Fast Pass, you schedule your rides, your activities in advance, and you can skip the line or at least skip part of the line when you get there. My point is, of course, that we have some real spiritual challenges when it comes to waiting on things that are beyond our control. And that's one of the key themes here in Advent. Today we read first from the prophet Isaiah. I'll remind you that the prophet Isaiah is a, is a large book. It's one of the major prophets, like, like Jeremiah. It's really long. And because Isaiah is so large, we, we tend to think that Isaiah was written in a few different periods, namely before the exile, during the exile, and post-exile. And today we read from Isaiah 2, which we take to be earlier in Isaiah, and so this is pre-exile. This is before Babylon has come in and, and taken over Jerusalem, destroyed the capital. And so there's a certain degree of hopefulness here in Isaiah 2. Uh, you heard Kate read it just a moment ago. It's on the, the, the paper there in front of you. You might uh, draw your attention to some of the key words. When Isaiah gives this vision, Isaiah son of Amos, concerning Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem, he gives this vision and he says, there will come a day... When all people will be gathered. Now, that's really important. There will come a day when all people, when all the peoples will be gathered. So this vision for Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 2 is not just a vision about the people of Jerusalem or the people of Jewish ancestry, the Hebrews, the Israelites. This vision in Isaiah 2 is this really cosmic vision, right? There will come a day when all the people will be gathered on God's holy mountain. That's one of the wonderful phrases in Scripture. On God's holy mountain, it will be lifted up, and all the people will come together to learn the ways of God. And so in Isaiah chapter 2, this is before the exile, this is before things have really gone, gone bad for the people of Jerusalem, there's this hopeful enthusiasm that, that we can imagine a day when not just Jews, but, but even the neighboring warring countries will come together on God's holy mountain they will come to seek to learn God's ways. God will judge their iniquities. And then this really important image. 
as they come together, their swords will be, bitten in, be beaten into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And they will learn war no more. So Isaiah chapter 2 kind of offers this vision of what we might call world peace, right? Where all the people of the world will be gathered together in one place to worship and to know God. Where all the people will bring their weapons their swords and their spears, and they will destroy them. They will be disarmed, and instead they will create gardening tools, and they will garden together on the holy mountain of God. This image that Isaiah offers, it should be an image that brings you courage and comfort and excitement. Wouldn't it be awesome to live in the sort of world that Isaiah imagines? You heard uh, Chase mention in his prayers um, the gun violence that we've experienced in our nation just in the last couple of weeks with the shooting in Colorado and then a shooting in Virginia, and then there was one a few weeks ago at the University of Virginia. We sometimes think about the Old Testament world, we think about the ancient world, that that was a a barbaric time, that was a violent time, people did terrible things to others, and, and that's some truth in that. But our modern world can be equally barbaric and violent. And so in the face of those kind of stories, those scenes of, of shootings and violence, we, man, what a hopeful image Isaiah offers. Can you see with Isaiah a day when, when everyone comes together and they give up their weapons and they turn their weapons into gardening tools and they live under God's care and reign forever? When we think about the prophet Isaiah or when we think about other Old Testament prophets, we often think about them prophesying around the themes of a Messiah. The themes of a Messiah. So if you look at your Old Testament, you got the first few books are kind of uh, Genesis and, and so on. And then we, and then we get the, many of the histor- historical books, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. And then essentially the, the last part of the Old Testament is the prophetic books. And there are some very small prophets like Amos or Micah. And there are these larger prophetic books like Isaiah or Jeremiah. And it's not always the case that there's kind of a one-to-one parallel. It's not that every verse in the prophets is about Jesus. But, but we often read the prophetic books books like Isaiah, as looking toward and hoping for that day when the Messiah would come. And so it's a question that we might ask today. When we read Isaiah 2, the text that Kate just read, is Isaiah 2 a text about Jesus? Is Isaiah 2 about Jesus? Well, maybe and maybe not. Maybe in one sense it is about Jesus because it says there will be a day when all the people will be gathered together and they will worship together and they will seek God together and they will care for one another. When I read that part of Isaiah 2, that really sounds a whole lot like parts of the New Testament. Jesus ministers to to people from the the Jewish tradition, but, but his ministry quickly expands to other traditions, to Gentiles. There are stories of very unlikely people coming together, like in the story of Pentecost, coming together to worship together. The good news news of Jesus goes forth, and they share their resources. They care for one another. They put their money together. They put their food together. They take care of one another. So there's part of what Isaiah is describing in this vision, this hope, that does seem to come to fruition in the New Testament, in the Gospels, in the work of the church. But the other part of Isaiah's vision a world where people will put away their weapons and instead they'll garden together. That part is not necessarily fulfilled in Jesus' ministry or in the ministry of the church. Jesus, of course, is arrested by people with swords. Uh, he's beaten by people with spears. He's, he's crucified on a cross. And so when we read Isaiah, this, this hopeful view of a, a day of peace and harmony, 
we have to admit that that's not exactly what we get in the Gospels. It's not exactly what we get in the early church, as many of the early church were, were also martyred and put to death, were often persecuted. And so the peace that Isaiah imagines begins to take shape in Jesus, but it's not yet fully realized. Welcome to the season of Advent. In Advent, we are doing a few different things here at the church. On the one hand, we're, of course, just waiting on Christmas. That's what we're thinking of in the most straightforward way. Christmas is December 25th. we got four weeks before Christmas, and so we ought to prepare to celebrate Christmas. But in a much deeper sense, we're trying to map these times that we live in. And this is the time that we live in, the time after Isaiah and after the Messiah Jesus but we don't yet live in the time where the full reign and the full victory of God have been made known. And so I drew you a little chart here. Isaiah on the left, which could be one of any of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus next to Isaiah. There's sort of a timeline from Old Testament to New Testament. Isaiah prophesies about Jesus, but Isaiah also prophesies about this, this victory that is to come. And so in Advent, we remind ourselves, we remind one another in worship that we are still in this in-between time. The Messiah has come. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection have made a way for us to be saved and be made known by God. And yet there is this final, ultimate victory that is still out there before us. And just like the people of Israel who were waiting for so many years for their Messiah, we are now waiting. Not just on Christmas Day, but we're waiting for the ultimate final victory that it's God's peace for this new heaven and this new earth. And so we rest in this in-between time. So what does Jesus have to say about all this? Well, often it is the case on the first Sunday of Advent that we read my favorite part of Jesus, apocalyptic Jesus. Did you like that reading of Jesus we did this morning? Heck no, that scared us to death, Dane. What are you doing reading this stuff during Christmas, right? We like Jesus that's encouraging and comforting. We like Jesus that's sort of intellectual and teaches. But here in Matthew 24, we get Jesus that goes full-on sort of apocalyptic sermon. The disciples ask him, how will we know when this age ends and the new age begins? And Jesus says, well, first of all, you can't know. There's no way for you to know. In fact, no one knows, not the angels, not the son. Only the father knows when this age will end and the new age will begin. So, so in terms of how you will know or when you will know, you should just give up on that idea. There's no way that you're going to know. Instead, it's kind of like waiting in the story of Noah, waiting on something big to happen, big to change. It's kind of like waiting in the field. You'll be working, two people working side by side. One will be ready and one will not be ready. It's kind of like a thief coming at your, your house at night and like if you were paying attention, you would, you would be ready for that, but some people won't be paying attention and won't be ready. And so Jesus said, there's no way you can know. Therefore, what you ought to do is to keep awake and to watch and to be prepared. These are kind of the theme phrases for this first Sunday of Advent. God, when will the, the new age begin? When will this, this world change? When will your final victory come to us? We don't know. We can't know. You can't predict it. It can't be known. And therefore, in the meantime, you must wait. You must wait with, with patience and expectation and hope in your hearts. N.T. Wright is a theologian I've 
uh, quoted a few different times. He's very popular, written many books. He, he sometimes talks about uh, the North American obsession with the return of Christ, right? And you know what he's talking about. All the books and things that have gone into predicting when Jesus will come again, predicting what the end times might look like. Preachers have made entire careers out of predicting something that Jesus says you cannot predict, right? Do you see the irony in that? And so Jesus says it's not for you to know, it's not for you to predict. Instead, your task is one of waiting and watching. Waiting and watching. When I listed earlier some of those themes from businesses in terms of how to deal with consumers that are in a waiting period, uh, one of them is, is written in this way. Uh, for consumers, unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. Unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. So how do, how do businesses go about that? Well, they do simple things, right? There are magazines at the dentist office or at the doctor's office. Now, most of us look at our phones now, right? But used to, we looked at magazines because they know that looking at a magazine sort of keeps us distracted from the fact that we're waiting. Uh, you can go to a restaurant, right, where there's a lot of televisions, right? A lot of bars have televisions, right? And, and part of the work of those televisions is to keep us distracted from whatever we're waiting on. Even if you go to Cracker Barrel, are you with me? That little, ga- that little game on the table? <laughs> That's there to keep you distracted from the fact that you're waiting on your food, right? Unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. In other words, if you give, something, give people something to do, then the waiting is not so difficult. That is the entire premise of today's gospel lesson on this first Sunday of Advent. Jesus tells us we cannot know the future We cannot control God's time as much as we might like to. We can't schedule the second coming of Christ. We can't schedule the ways God is revealed to us every day. Those things are in God's hands. But just because you're waiting doesn't mean you're waiting with indifference. It certainly doesn't mean you're waiting with anxiety. Instead, Jesus has told us to keep watch, to pay attention, to be ready to know that Jesus may come at any moment, maybe in the, in the cosmic sense that Jesus may come finally at any moment, but, but also in small moments that every day is sort of filled with this potential that, that every day, that every moment could be a moment where, where Jesus shows himself to us again. And so we live with expectation, not just for Christ's second coming, but, but expecting every day that this would be a day that we would meet and know the Lord in a new and profound way. In Advent, we might begin this season, this first Sunday of Advent, with some of these key phrases from Jesus and from Isaiah. What should we do between now and Christmas? What should we do between now and forever? Well, the scriptures say this, about that day and that hour, no one knows. Therefore, you ought to keep awake and pay attention, for you do not know when your Lord is coming. Isaiah says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Friends, we'll let those words of Scripture be our our theme, be our mission, be our guide as we begin this Advent season together, waiting with expectation and hope, expecting again that God will reveal God's self in Jesus to us in new and profound ways. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we confess that we are often not people of patience. We have our schedules, we have our activities, we have our control over our lives, and so we are uneasy when we are reminded that some things happen on your time and not our time. 
God, as we begin this Advent season, we expect to be quite busy. Busy with holiday activities and commitments, busy visiting family, worshiping and serving here at the church. God, do not let the busyness be for us a distraction of the patience that is required. Like the people of Israel who came before us, we now wait. We wait on that glorious day of your return. We wait on you to show yourself to us on the days in between. Give us patience, give us hope, give us courage. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.